Before we get into today's episode, I have a quick message from my sponsor, Cloudways. Cloudways is a managed cloud hosting platform that simplifies your web hosting experience. The platform allows businesses to focus on their growth and have complete peace of mind with 24-7 support and flexibility to scale. Can we just say support is hugely important when it comes to hosting? And thanks to Cloudways, they are offering an exclusive discount for the Kim Doyle Show listeners. Visit cloudways.com and use the promo code KIM20 to get 20% off for two months on the hosting plan of your choice. All right, guys, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to F the Hustle. I'm your host, Kim Doyle. You want a life that is meaningful and exciting. In this podcast, we're going to talk about launching and growing an online business that fits your lifestyle. F the Hustle is all about doing good work, building real relationships, and most importantly, creating a business that supports how you want to live your life. You don't have to sacrifice the quality of your life today to create something that sets your soul on fire. And yes, that includes making a lot of money. So we'll be talking about selling, charging what you're worth, and how earning more means helping more people. My goal is to help you find freedom and create a business on your terms. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am your host, Kim Doyle, and I'm really excited today because not only is our guest amazing, but we're going to talk about something that I've gotten really obsessed with in the last couple of years, and that is newsletters. But first, my guest today is Leslie Sim, the founder of Newsletter Glue. Leslie, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me, Kim. Super happy to be here. And we'll just let everybody know, this is fun. You are recording from, you're in Singapore? That's right. Okay. So what time is it for you? It is 9.34 p.m. Yeah. And it's 7.34 p.m. This is why I love what we do, Leslie. It's like we get to connect with people all over the world. It's just, I don't know, it makes the world seem smaller and bigger kind of at the same time. Yeah, totally. I feel like I actually um, benefited from the pandemic because now nobody's going out and meeting people and they have to meet people like me online. So um, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's been like one cool and un- unexpected side effect, nice side effect of the pandemic. It is. It's nice to see those benefits. And I mean, it just, I think it forced a lot of um, growth and opportunity online in general. So I think it's fantastic. Okay. So enough about that, but I would love to know, you know, we did a live stream talking about Newsletter Glue, and I'll let you explain what that is, um, but I don't know much about your backstory, if you wouldn't mind sharing with the listeners kind of, you know, how you got into all this, what you were doing prior to creating and launching Newsletter Glue. Um, yeah. How how far would you like me to go back, Kim? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe with your entrepreneurial journey or, you know, I mean, whatever you feel like sharing, honestly. <laughs> Um, hmm. so, uh, my very first job or my very first real job after, after university was in, um, the government in the airport. Um, and it turns out that I was very bad at that because I'm not like, um, are you familiar with the term iron rice bowl? No, explain, please. That that might be a Singaporean or Southeast Asian term, um, but it's just kind of like a stable, steady job that, um, you know, like working in the government is known for. Like if you work in the government, you you have a stable, steady job and that's an iron rice bowl. It's not going to go away. Ah, Um, okay. Yeah. And so uh, I didn't know it at the time, but 
I knew it after working there for a couple of years that, you know, stable, steady type jobs was super not my thing. Um, and I just kind of got bored and wanted to do other things. And so I uh, left the airport and the aviation industry and went into advertising, which was as far away as an iron rice bowl as you can get. <laughs> well, and not to um, mention, talk about, talk about a pivot. Do you mind me asking, what did you study in university? Uh, I studied commerce, which is like kind of like a general business degree. So we did like marketing, accounting, um, finance, whole bunch of stuff. Okay. So yeah, just kind of a general degree, I guess. Um, and then, so yeah, I moved into advertising. I liked that so much more. Um, I kind of think about my time or like, uh, I think like a good description of my time there is being able to skate skateboard in the hallways. Um, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, like advertising is super fun. I, I think it's like my dream job. Like even now, like um, if I had to get a full-time job, advertising would be one of the places that I look. I just like really like the work. Yeah, um, it's fun. And like you like the people as well. Yeah, wait, have you... Do you have a, do you have any experience in advertising? No, no. Other than just, I mean, I've been <laughs> online fourteen years, and I mean, right, si yeah. similar in terms. I mean, I've run ads, but I'm I'm fascinated by copy and the fact that messages can. There's this whole psychological bent behind it, and so, and then it's how do you get creative and and get it to work? I mean, it's it's kind it's like a science in and of itself, almost. Yeah, um, yeah. That, that's like that's always been kind of my. Um, like I've been super interested in that as well um, and so yeah advertising was really interesting and I was uh, an account executive there so like not a creative um, and it was like the part that I always liked was like being able to pull the strings so like I'm managing the client but I'm also managing you know internally with the copywriters and the designers and trying to get you know get a campaign out the door mm -hmm. um, and that was super cool because um, I always kind of wanted to run my own business and I didn't know it at the time when I went into advertising. But um, once I started doing the job, I realized like, oh, this is, you know, this is really close to entrepreneurship because it teaches you how to get things done. Every month mm -hmm. you have a campaign that has to go out, you know, um, clients have paid for it. You know, there's like a newspaper spot waiting for your ad to go in there. Um, you have to do it. And it's like, how do you, you know, hurt the kittens and get it out the door. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so um, it was super fun. It was a lot of hard work, a lot of... Um, pressure? Like, yeah, a lot of pressure, a lot of like 4 a.m. nights, a lot of figuring things out as you go because, you know, sometimes creatives will come up with crazy ideas that um, is on you to kind of figure out how to make happen. Um, so yeah, I, I like just really liked that. Um, but the thing that, I didn't like so much was so I joined advertising at a time where um digital stuff was becoming a thing um mm -hmm. in I think 2012 back when we were still buying Yahoo ads <laughs> um, yeah and so 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 like obviously things have changed a lot since then um and it was it became it was like kind of becoming obvious that traditional agencies ad agencies didn't really know that much about the internet and like how things worked 
um, and you know even things like sales funnels and marketing funnels, which everyone knows now. Um, traditional agencies back then didn't know anything about, and it was kind of starting to show. It was it was obvious that you know clients were coming to agencies to ask about can we run a digital campaign, and the agencies will obviously say yes, but then they scramble after that and try to figure things out. Um, and I, I I wanted to go to where. You know, people actually knew what they're talking about when it came to <laughs> the digital internet world. Um, yeah. So I left the agency life. Um, and instead of, I tried, so I tried to get a job in the States, actually. Um, sorry. So like, this is the long story that you never That's asked okay. for, but you're getting. <laughs> I, well, I think the journey is fascinating. And it's. I think it's really helpful for listeners, in my opinion, to hear it's just not a straight line for any of us to get to where we are. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, yeah, I, I like kind of like telling the story because I don't often get to tell it. Um, and it's not the story that you'd expect. Mm-hmm. I think it's about to take a sharp turn. Um, yeah, so I like tried to get a, a digital agency job in the States because I felt that's where a lot of the um, cutting edge digital marketing stuff was happening. Um, mm-hmm. And... I, I just couldn't. Um, and so what I ended up doing was traveling the States. And as my three-month visa was expiring, uh, I felt, okay, I'm not ready to go home yet. So I decided to go to Honduras um, to free wow. dive. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's like ridiculous when I think about it now, but I actually bought the ticket um, like for for two days out. And it was only the day before where I asked myself, like, hmm, do I actually need a visa for Honduras? Like, what <laughs> what language do they speak there? I just kind of bought the ticket and, yeah, like, didn't think about any of that. So, thankfully, I didn't need a visa or I would have been in trouble. Um, Can I ask, were you traveling with anybody or were you by yourself? I was by myself. Wow. That's amazing. Go ahead. Um, yeah. So, I went to Honduras, went to the free diving school and... Ended up really, really liking it. Um, and I ended up staying there for eight months and becoming a freediving instructor and teaching people freediving. Um, and that was my life for almost a year. And it wow. was great. Yeah, I'm like telling you this also because, you know, I know that you're in Costa Rica right now and that's super close to Honduras. Um, so like, I feel like you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's to get that experience of living in another culture that lives vastly different than what you've done. Um, it's sort of humbling and awe-inspiring at the same time. Yes. Yeah. Super agree. It, it really like broadens your perspective, I think, and mm-hmm. makes you realize how much you can't assume because like people are just so different all over the world. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I... Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did the free diving thing and um, a year a year later, I came home thinking that I was going to continue being a freediving instructor and do that across Southeast Asia and like had this whole thing. And then my mom comes and she has this serious talk with me about my future. <laughs> and she, and she, does, she never does that. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, she was legitimately concerned that I was going to turn into some kind of dive bum or something, which is, you know, exactly what I was becoming. So fair enough. <laughs> Um, 
yeah, and so she had that talk and then she successfully guilt-tripped me into staying at home in Singapore and uh, trying to take a normal job. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I tried that very briefly um, and it turns out that I guess like my sabbatical in Honduras had, I I think like changed me fundamentally as a person and I just like couldn't do a regular job anymore. Um, And so I quit soon after and tried to do my own thing. And um, and then there's a quick detour into craft beer, which I won't go into, into too much detail about because like this has already gone on for way longer than... Uh, uh, but this is for. so fun. I, I de- you got to... T- but a quick... Okay, so hold on, hold on, hold on. So quick detour into craft beer in terms of like you got into making it or you went to work for a craft brewery? Um, oh, so I, I was a partner in a craft beer brewery. Um, it was just like the two of us. Uh, so I was meant to do like the marketing side of things and he was doing the brewing um, and we were both kind of doing sales, like literal door to door going, knocking on restaurants and asking if they wanted to buy a beer. Wow. Um, yeah. So, and, and we were like, um, one of my favorite beers that we made was a Mandarin ale, Mandarin <gasps> orange ale. Oh my um, God. I love orange in, in like wheat yeah, beers. It's so good. good. <laughs> yeah. And I remember we used, like, I took the zesters from my kitchen and we were just, like, sitting there zesting oranges. Um, and I think, like, that made the beer, at least, like, to me, feel, taste much nicer because, you know, we, like, sat there for two hours just zesting oranges. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, it that didn't work out. Uh, as it turns out, there's a lot more to, you know, making a craft beer business successful than just a brewery and um, two people trying to market yeah. and sell it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, didn't work out. And But at the time, because we, I, it was just the two of us, I, um, I had to build a website. I had to like figure out how do we, you know, do the online sales, have a presence and all of that stuff. And so that like kind of reignited my interest in digital marketing and websites, which if you recall was the reason why I went to the States in the first place. Um, and I was like, huh, okay. So like, because of this, we've like built the website. I've like learned all of this stuff, learned how to use WordPress for the first time. Um, and I decided, okay, maybe I can double down on this. And uh, I started my digital marketing agency from there. Holy moly. That is such a great story, Leslie, truly. And thank you for sharing it because it is, I, you know, it's crazy because when you've been doing this for a while and you've, I mean, so you really started paying attention to the digital marketing space at the ad agency, you said, which is what, like 2012 or so? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so we're almost to 2022. So 10 years later (laughs) and it's still sort of like the wild west. And I think there's a market sophistication that's happened. But there's still people yeah, starting so. their businesses every day online and to hear that it, it's just not a straight path. And so what brings you here um, is, I, I don't know, it also gives you the, the strength and the backbone to keep going when you start here because none of this is easy either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. So you it's started a digital marketing agency. I'm sorry. Um, and did you, so you went about doing advertising for people you were doing websites what was what did you guys offer under the agency 
Uh, yeah, just kind of, we're, it was just me and a team of freelancers. So we were mm-hmm. kind of doing anything um, people wanted, basically. So like uh, we built websites, we did some content marketing. Uh, I did a bunch of videos as well. Uh, yeah, just kind of, you know, everything that, whatever we could find, whatever work we could find, I guess. Um, and then it got to 2019 and I was kind of getting burnt out. Um, we had a really successful year, but it was, you know, I think I worked probably seven days a week for 50 out of 52 weeks. Um, That's hard. It was just, you know, I was just, yeah, I was just kind of done. Um, and so what I ended up doing was uh, scaling down. So we were kind of at, you know, when you're working seven days a week, um, it it's that kind of point where you either commit and hire more people or you let go of a bunch of clients and scale down. Yeah. And I decided that I would scale down. So I uh, let go of a bunch of clients um, and looked at building a plugin instead. Um, I just, you know, I already tried freediving. I tried advertising. I tried craftier, <laughs> like... Um, you know, the the one thing at that point I hadn't tried was software and it was something that I was always interested in. Um, and I'm not a developer, so, you know, I never thought that I'd be able to do a software business because I couldn't build anything. Um, then I realized, you know, I could partner up with someone. Um, so I looked at the Indie Hackers Forum and looked for someone, look, you know, a technical person looking for a business co-founder. And I found my co-founder, Ahmed, um, he had built a membership plugin and was looking for someone to help market it. And so that's kind of how it, um, we started working together. And uh, I think you know part of this story already. Um, the membership plugin didn't work out, but we built a feature inside the membership plugin that would allow you to send uh, blog posts out as newsletters to subscribers Mm-hmm. And I really liked that specific feature. And so even though the membership plugin didn't work out, um, we decided to pivot and build out a business around that um, send post to subscribers feature. And that was how New Static Glue was born. And that's, oh my the, goodness. that's the whole story. That is, <laughs> I, I love it, Leslie. What a, what a fantastic story. So you are A, certainly tenacious, and B, you sound fearless, but... Is it more that there's this sort of drive in you to just keep going and, and find that thing? I mean, a lot of people would have given up. <laughs> um, so I think like my answer now is quite different from the answer I would have given you a decade ago. Yeah. Uh, my answer now is um, I think like my fam. I come from like a pretty good family background. Like we have, um, you know, I feel like secure mm-hmm. and so coming from that, you know, we weren't like uh, hard up for money or anything like that. And so that's given me a lot more opportunity to take risks. Yeah. I think, um, I can't speak for everyone, obviously, but like um, I know a bunch of my friends, for example, who growing up, they always felt that they had to get a stable job and, you know, become a lawyer or a doctor because they didn't, they had like, they had to scrape by when they were children. Mm-hmm. And so like those those friends would find it much harder to take risks and go do silly things like free diving. Um, whereas I think like 
I had the luxury of doing that. Um, yeah. And it's not as though like, you know, my parents, they're, you know, they're not like filthy rich or anything, but like just being able to come from a stable background and like not have to worry too much, um, that just really helped. So can yeah, I, can I, I think interject that too? plays it, like a huge it, part. Sorry, I was just going like to say too. Played, I think. Yeah, I, I think also that it sounds like even though your mom had a sort of, um, I don't know if you've heard the phrase, like a come to Jesus moment about yeah. <laughs> getting a job, right? That, <laughs> that, that exactly sit down. <laughs> okay. But I mean, you know, my parents, very traditional jobs too. And it was like, well, I mean, they were supportive as I was getting started with this, but it was like, maybe, and I was like, look, I'll walk away from my house before I go back to a job job again. I just knew it wasn't ever, I wasn't supposed to do that, but at the same time, so where you had some financial security, and I think that's huge, and I think that's very honest, and thanks for sharing that, because it does make it a lot easier to take some risks. But it also sounds like, to a certain extent, your parents, your family supported your um, curiosity a little bit as well. I mean, it took you, let's see, California, to, or the United States, to Honduras, <laughs> to diving, for yeah. your mom to finally go, why don't we have a little chit-chat? <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep, okay. fair enough. Um yeah, I think I think I but I I'm also a middle child, so I think I like got get away with a lot of stuff uh that my siblings wouldn't be able to get away with. Yeah. So I like, fly under under the radar a lot. Um and yeah. That That's totally funny. I'm well. a middle child too. Um <laughs> there you okay. go. There we go. So, all right. So, <laughs> yeah. newsletter glue. I, I, okay. So, this was you, was it 2019 when you started, when you found your business partner? When did newsletter glue first hit the market? Because my friend Devender was the one who introduced me to it. And I was like, oh, oh cool. my God, it's so pretty. Like, I'm such a nut when it comes to <laughs> how UIs look and stuff. And I love the way it looked. Um, but so, when did oh, you actually. I'm about to make it even better. Ah, I'm so excited. So, <laughs> when. When did it like hit the market? Uh, it almost a year to this day, actually. I think we we launched the paid version like the last week of November last year. Um, yeah, so a year, pretty much. We launched wow. the free version maybe I want to say August or September. Um, and yeah, we had like a lot of good feedback, so that like made. Like it was enough validation for me to be like, okay, we have something here. Let's, you know, let's try to make this into a business. Wow. Okay. And so, and your partner's name is, is Ahmed, you said? Ahmed? Ahmed, yep. Ahmed, okay. That's right. So that's fantastic. What did, is there something? So you liked that feature within the plugin. Were you paying attention to the newsletter space thinking, okay, this, we've really got something here? Uh, yeah. So, at the time, I think in 2019, I started my own newsletter. And so I got really into the community, um, you know, followed a bunch of people, joined a bunch of Facebook groups, bunch of Slack groups, uh, you know, just like all in on the whole thing. I, I just, there was something about newsletters that felt like uh, blogging felt, you know, in the early 2000s, mm -hmm. um, just kind of that community and like people supporting each other and like, um, following each other in a very non SEO growth hacky kind of way, <laughs> um, yeah. and yeah, I just I just really liked that and was super into it. So I 
that was actually kind of how I stumbled upon that feature um, that we built in the membership plugin because uh, Substack was really growing at the time and I wanted similar features, um, but for my WordPress site because I was like, you know, why it, what Substack's doing is actually really simple and I, you know, surely we could build that as well. Um, so yeah, we did. Wow. I just, you know, and it's interesting and, and we'll talk a little bit about some, some platforms and stuff, but I, I think what I love about newsletters also is, um, to your point, like it's the excitement again around like when blogging first came out and, um, it's, it just takes a little bit more, I don't want to, I don't know how to say this. I don't want to offend anybody, but, um, <laughs> practice and attention to what you're creating. And if you're committed to it, you know, I don't really believe in market saturation in terms of, oh, there's so many newsletters, everybody's done it. I'm like, they've only been big again for a couple of years. And I, I think the yeah. newsletters are going to, right? I think the they're going to stick around. Yeah, this space, I should yeah, say. Sure. Um, you know, it's like podcasting. It's not too late to start a podcast. A lot of people quit a year in. So th- if you're willing to stick with it and test and grow and evolve, like, or or really hit the ground running with it, you can explode. It depends on you get to grow at whatever pace that works for you. But I don't think there's going to be such a thing as there's too many because I mean, there's plenty of people to communicate with. Um, I apps I subscribe to ridiculous mental newsletters. I love them. I, I like writing. So. <laughs> yeah. um, all right. So, so let's talk, you know what? I don't know if we actually, <laughs> I probably should have started with this, but if you could give the <laughs> listeners a sort of cliff notes version of what the plugin does, because it's more than just putting a newsletter in WordPress. Uh, yeah. So the plugin lets you build, write and send newsletters from the WordPress blog editor. So exactly the way that you would write a blog post, you can now write your newsletter. Um, and we allow you to create pattern templates as well, which is um, super easy. I hope you you think so as well. Um, oh God, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, so it's like you can you can create a whole bunch of you know whether it's like sections like a header section or a footer section, or you can create full uh, newsletter templates. I guess like within one or two minutes, and you can create an an unlimited amount of them, and that just makes it really fast, especially if you're um, you know a professional blogger like yourself like a content creator like yourself and you have multiple newsletters that you send out each week so this just cuts down the time it takes to create a newsletter by at least an hour a newsletter i would say well and to be able to um, publish so, yeah, that's, i mean that's what you do, you do but but just for clarification so that people understand so you can create the newsletter in wordpress and then right now it works with a handful. So you can actually send it to your email service provider and it gets sent to your email subscribers. Correct? Yes. Thanks yeah. for explaining my plugin better than I am doing. <laughs> no, um, I just wanted people to understand because it's this like having to publish it twice, right? People think, oh, I got to go write it in this in my platform. Then I have to go put it on my site and you've eliminated that step. And so it's a win-win of sort of publishing in two places. <laughs> Yeah, so like, um, you know, if you write your blog post on your site, then you have to copy and paste that into MailChimp or ActiveCampaign or whatever. Um, and then you have to re-embed the images and all of that's just a pain in the ass. And so we, like you say, eliminate that step and we just uh, integrate with your email service provider. So you don't even have to migrate anything. You just inter- integrate with us and it's like, you know, a couple of seconds to connect. Um, and from 
there on out, you can just hit publish and uh, you can even choose like your segments or your tags or your list to send to. So you can do all of that from within the block editor. God, it's amazing. And you are um, currently, who do you, if you want to let the listeners know, and I'm still happily patiently waiting for ConvertKit and that's on ConvertKit's end, not their end guys. Um, So who do you guys integrate with right now? Okay, I'm pulling up the list so I don't say anything wrong. Um, <laughs> but, okay, so Active Campaign, Campaign Monitor, Get Response, Clavio, MailerLite, MailJet, MailChimp, MooSend, SendGrid, SendInBlue, and Sendy. So that's 11 email service providers, and we plan on doing more next year as well. That is, I, I just, I think it's fantastic. Um, and I know, so tell me, you have been going through a big site rebrand as well. So how's that going? Yes. <laughs> uh, frustrating. <laughs> so the site's already built. It's just that it's built on a staging site. And I thought I'd be able to easily push that onto our live site. But it turns out um, the way we've set up our e-commerce store, there's a bunch of like, database uh, issues. So if I push the new marketing site onto our live site, it will erase our transactions, which I obviously don't want to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So right right now, the plan is for me to next week manually uh, copy the landing pages and uh, add them into our live site. So it's not how I wanted this to go, but it's... <laughs> It's what, you know, that's, yeah. that's tedious, but the- it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so do you mind me asking, so what are you guys using for the commerce side on, on newsletter glue? Uh, we're using easy dig- digital downloads. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just, I'm asking it's, you know, WordPress, there's just this love and hate relationship. I love it. But at the same time, you know, like with our content creators planner, it's WooCommerce. And there's so many moving parts once you start getting in to how everything has to talk to everything. And it's just like, oh, boy. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I totally feel for you. Um, so any, let me ask you this. In terms of, because you're new to software, I think this is so phenomenal, um, is Anything you would do differently or what were some challenges you saw along the way in developing a software product, especially since you're not a developer? And I didn't, I think that's brilliant. I don't know that I ever would have gone to Indie Hackers and said, hey, is there a developer that wants a co-founder? <laughs> I think that's awesome. Um, so your question is, what would I do differently now that I... Yeah, I like what were what some I challenges know? and maybe something you would do different? Um. I can't say there's anything specific that I would do different just because, you know, the things that, the way that you learn is from making the mistakes. Uh, Um, Amen. (laughs) And there's, yeah, and there's a lot of like, you know, the story unfolds as you move forward. Um, So I don't think there's anything that I really would do differently just because, you know, then we wouldn't be where we are. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so like one thing that I would, I will say is I struggle a lot with um, being promoty or like sales driven. Mm-hmm. So like, um, you know, you were saying that you like software that like looks nice and, you know, uh, does a good job, is easy to use and stuff like that. Um, and I think like 
And I, I really appreciate you saying that because that's the part that I really care about and I'm really interested in, like making good software. And on the other side of that uh, continuum is people who are really good at selling software. So, you know, we all know big billion dollar companies who are famous for having bad software, but are like really good at enterprise sales, for example. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, in a way, like I wish that I was better at that stuff because I'm just not. Um, and, you know, I I know that as a customer, like it's great for you to have like the good UI and all that, but like from a business perspective, like I kind of wish that I was better at like, focusing less on like um good software and more about getting the word out because like you know the two have to work hand in hand mm-hmm. um you know you have to have the good software in order to get the customers but then you also have to get the customers in order to have the money to you know continue making the software better and so that's something that i've been thinking about a lot and trying to get better at um and i like and like kind of my um for fun benchmark is I really like looking at software companies with bad websites because <laughs> that like that you know are like doing well like yeah. high revenue software companies with bad websites because it's like okay you know that they are super good at conversion rates and they're like tuned into like their sales funnel and all of that kind of stuff um, and I'm like on the other side I like really care that my website looks nice um, and so I've been trying to learn from the those companies who are like more sales funnel driven and more like metrics driven and that's kind of it's not that I would do it differently because I'm not good at it so I can't do it differently um, but it's the thing that I'm like trying to focus on getting better at for next year I think that's brilliant and you know it's interesting as you're saying that I love that because two things one when a site or or software looks funky I just bounce and I I, I really if I if I I pay attention to software a lot. You know, I send tools in my newsletter. And so I'll look at product hunt every day and I check out stuff. And if I log into a free account and I'm like, this looks like it's from like 1995, I, I have no interest, <laughs> right? And it has to make sense. So that sounds silly, but I, I completely understand that perspective. And have you ever read Expert Secrets by Russell Brunson? Yeah. So that's, that's the kind of thing that I'm talking about, right? I've read it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't resonate with it, but like, you know, the guy is a multimillionaire, right? And like lots and lots of people think that his stuff is awesome. And, you know, it's not us, obviously, but I want to get better at like doing those things because I think that that whole thing's a skill. It. I'm telling you, so many people like love or hate him. And if you ever want to talk off a, a, of a call, less, like a, not during the podcast interview, but I love working <laughs> through that stuff and it's helping. So I would be happy. You and I could bounce ideas for newsletter glue and I would love to work through expert secrets, that kind of thing with you. It's fascinating because people, some people really, they, they just, they don't like him. They, and personally, I'm like, you cannot begrudge this person who started from nothing yeah. and, and look what he's built. And and the the expert secrets, the idea of it, it's so much about getting into the psychology of of the pain of your customer and how you give them. It's the improvement offer versus a new offer, right? It's fascinating to me, and you know, and it's just when you look at this. I guess this is a totally off script here, but um, I think they were offered <laughs> over like a billion dollars for ClickFunnels, and they oh, turned wow. it down. And they wow. have rebuilt it from the ground up. A whole new platform is coming in March, um, and, wow. and so I have to check that out. 
Yeah, I'll send I'll send you the YouTube link. Uh, no, you can't even see it yet. Go to go to go to YouTube, and just search ClickFunnels 2.0. They've built a whole thing right. from the ground up on React, I believe, and I mean they've done cool. speed tests, and it's got it's think Shopify plus ClickFunnels website. It's like so much built into it. It looks really really nice, and which. It feels very sacrilegious as the former WordPress chick to say I would consider using something <laughs> else. But I'm also at this, I don't think I'd ever move my site, you know, off of WordPress. But I think we're hitting this place with software too, where, you know, so many tools do the same thing. And it's almost better to tell somebody like email service providers, right? We use Active Campaign for the planner. I like ConvertKit for my personal brand. And I have a friend who swears by Active Campaign. I'm like, I hate it. <laughs> And, and it's funny, Active Campaign is powerful and it does a lot of stuff, but it's also one of those UIs that I'm like, would you guys clean this up? It just, it's clunky to me. I don't know how else to say that. Yeah. Um, it so smells like what, 1999. Thank you. Thank you. That's exactly, <laughs> excuse me, totally how I feel. But so I think we're in this place of, you know, there's a lot of tools to use a job now. And most of them do the same thing. So, which kind of brings me to circle around about newsletter platforms. If you're up for talking about that for a sec, what are your thoughts on all the different platforms available for newsletters? Um, yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> I like that we like went off the rails for a bit there. <laughs> um, uh, I'm like, I'm really enjoying this conversation. Um, uh, me too. But, yeah. So. <laughs> When it comes to newsletter platforms, and you you mean email service providers, right? Or do you are you kind of like widening the net here to include Substack and review and? I'm widening the net to include the pl- yeah because have you seen Beehive? It's Beehive. Have you seen that? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't like these things which have funny names. Um, I know. I well, you know what? It. It's it's it literally B E E H I I V. So it looks like Beehive.com. <laughs> and right. t- so take a look at it. This is a couple of the guys behind the morning brew have built this. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, I went, huh. I've, I've seen this somewhere, but I haven't looked at it. It, it looks, it looks like Substack. Yeah. Well, it, so here, it, here's my question for you two on this, because I'm, I've always been this come from this place of published on properties you own at the same time. Mm-hmm. Where where are readers? Where are people who are already subscribing? Because my goal is always build my list, build my list, build my list, create the relationship. Yep. If I can get them on my list, then it's my responsibility to create the relationship and provide value. And so, you know, with advertising, you know, Facebook ads have kind of gone through the roof price-wise, all that kind of yep. stuff. I Do you think there are opportunities to publish in addition to whether it's a new new publication or maybe it is repurposing mm, um on like substack or medium or something like correct. that correct yeah um so substack doesn't actually do that much um in terms of helping you grow grow so i think a lot of people join substack thinking that it would be like medium and it would help with discovery like help help you and your content get discovered by um readers and that's just not how Substack is built. Substack is built more like a tool rather than a platform. Mm-hmm. Um, in contrast, I think Medium was built with the intention of being a platform where people go to Medium to discover new articles, new things to read. Um, so I think like that's an important distinction. So joining Substack for the express purpose of 
helping your writing uh, grow is not going to work. I will say that there are people who have seen success with that strategy on Medium. I'm not sure if it's because they already invested years um, into their Medium following before. So I'm not sure how um, impactful that strategy would be if you started right now yeah, um, in 2021 or 2022. Um, but yeah, I think like if you started in 2018 or even 2015, uh, Medium would have been a good growth strategy, like cross-posting onto Medium. Um, yeah, I think so. We're actually doing uh, um, a post right now on cross-promotions. Like we're actually writing a long blog post on cross-promotions right now. Um, and one of the uh, newsletter writers that I got to know on Twitter um, by way of writing my own newsletter and being interested in the community, um, her name is Vidya. And she's, I think she's grown her newsletter, like 50% of her subscribers. She has over a thousand subscribers and um, 50% of that have come from cross promotions. So just kind of finding um, newsletters with overlaps, like theme overlaps mm-hmm. um, and, you know, either guest writing or like sharing links between each other. Um, I think that's how she's grown her newsletter. And I think that's a really powerful um, strategy, especially these days if you're just starting out. Another strategy would be uh, buying ads. So it's actually moderately cheap to buy ads on newsletters right now. Like yeah. I'm, I'm not talking about if, you, if you're trying to buy ad on the hustle, that's going to be expensive. <laughs> yeah. But there are a whole bunch of indie newsletters um, with thousands, you know, four or five figure subscriber numbers. And it's not even that expensive to buy an ad on their newsletter. Like it, it'd be like 250 bucks. So if, you know, if growing your newsletter was something that's really important, I would do a combination of, of that. So like ads and cross posting, um, and then also just SEO. So one of the nice things, and this is me plugging my own plugin, um, (laughs) but a lot of newsletter writers kind of don't, focus so much on SEO because you know their writing just gets sent to inboxes and it's not really easily discovered um, but if you write your newsletter where you blog then your your newsletter archive is the same as a blog archive and that helps you get discovered um, via SEO and that's also a great way to grow I've noticed big companies doing that now as well um, MIT is doing that with their MIT Tech Review, Vox is doing that with their newsletters, um, and The Atlantic just launched a whole newsletter uh, business as well, and I think that that's going to be their plan as well. So, yeah, yeah I think I, like, you, those are top shows. <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry. Um, well, you know, it's because I, I started putting F the Hustle up on Medium, and I've had a Medium account, I don't know, for years, and would just repurpose content there for the most part. And as I pay, I'm a paying subscriber for medium. And so I read a lot on medium and, you know, a lot of people who have been writing on medium are talking about, Oh, the algorithm's changing. My stuff's not getting seen. People who have thousands of followers and have people subscribe, unless you've subscribed to someone's publication. And, but it was interesting, you know, when I started putting F the hustle up on, and there's only a few issues up there and I'm in, intentionally trying to write like an original piece of content too. Like I wrote a post, 
um, why I moved to a country I'd never visited and <laughs> and put that in the publication and that got <clears throat> some traction and stuff. But what's interesting is I did get subscribers putting it on there and but it also could be, oh, it's a new publication. So I, I sort of am and coming from this place to you, I don't know if you've ever read or followed Tim Denning. Are you familiar with him? Uh nope, I'm not. He's he's a writer, a online writer. It writes a lot on Medium and he's grown his email list to over like fifty thousand. And so he and a business partner put out a course on Substack. And so I emailed and said, you know, what are your thoughts on doing an additional publication or could I repurpose it here? And like, they still think Substack is, you know, a huge opportunity. At the same time, it, it's really tough to know until you test some of these things, right? It's, that's how I look at it. It's, it's if Substack doesn't really have a discoverability engine, to your point, or looking at, that was one of the things with the, the Beehive I know it's Beehive, but it's just <laughs> for people. Um, but looking at Beehive, one, I, I really do love the way it looks. To me, it looks a lot nicer than Substack. Um, but yep. is if there is something that they're going to do to help your newsletter get in front of potential subscribers, right? And so it's it's interesting. And last thing, this is not quizzing you. I don't know if you've heard of all these things, by the way. <laughs> have, um, have you heard of Ship 30 for 30? You're big on Twitter. You've probably heard of that. Yeah, I've heard, heard of that. Okay. So the, you know, they're talking about, I'm looking at doing their January challenge because just to up my writing game and nice. there's, they're saying, you know, publish only on Twitter. And, and, you know, I'm such a believer in SEO and content for the long game, I think, and they're not saying only, and again, this is, I haven't purchased the course or anything yet, but they're saying, get started <laughs> where you can get in front of people yes. their point. You know, and so I think I just feel like we're in this very interesting time of, you know, as a creator, as a content creator, publish where you can get in front of people. Should you own your own property? 100% all the time. Yes, hands down. That's the long game, though. And so you're not going to get as big a win off of publishing blog posts unless you are an SEO ninja and really good with keyword. And then to your point, you're out there really promoting your own content as well. Yeah. What are your thoughts on all that? For sure. Uh, my thoughts are that I 100% agree. <laughs> um, I think I think there's like a a first step thing which I which I there's a first step thing which I neglected to mention earlier, and that's you know when you're first starting out, you should go where people already are because you don't have your own audience, right? So you have to go and you know find the watering holes and hang out where people already are, like like-minded people, the people you're, kind of, you're trying to attract. And so, you know, if that's on twi- uh, Twitter, if that's on Facebook, if that's on a Discord channel, uh, you have to go to those places, right? So that's the first thing. And the second thing is people are actually in a lot of places. And so, you know, step one is to go, you know, figure out where people are, which is, let's say, five different places. Step two is figuring out which of those places you like to be, um, because, you know, maybe you like Twitter, but you hate Discord, or maybe you like Facebook and you hate Slack or whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, people shouldn't, uh, again, like, this is for when you're starting out, like, don't feel obliged to be on five places at the same time because you're going to burn out. And if you're starting out, it's, you know, you're probably doing this as a side hustle or just for fun. Um, or even if you're doing it full time, like, it's impossible to build a following on five different channels at the same time without going crazy. So 
my my advice there would be exactly what you said with the thirty four thirty. It's mm-hmm. pick one channel. Like in that in their case, they would say Twitter. Um, but just to kind of generalize it a bit, pick a single channel that you really like, where you know your audience hangs out, and just try to like hang out there every single day. Um, contribute, get to know people, make friends, help out. Um, and that's that's going to be the most fun um, way to build an audience that you feel deep connection with and they also feel deep connection with you. And I think like that's like the most solid foundation that you can build when you're starting to build an audience. Because the worst thing that you want to do is build an audience that's kind of fair weather friend ish mm-hmm. with you, you know. Um, so a good example of a fair weather friend audience would be if you just paid for Facebook ads or Twitter ads and you just got a whole bunch of followers like, hey, look, I have 10K followers on Twitter. I'm amazing. But, you know, not really because those people aren't going to uh, interact with you online. They don't really know you that well. They just kind of follow because you offered them, uh, I don't know, $50 Amazon voucher or something. Um, and that's not kind of the audience that you want to build because also it's it doesn't make you feel good and they're not your friends. They don't really know you well. Um, they'll be quick to leave. And if you're hanging out there all the time with these 10K followers who don't really care about you, you won't really be incentivized to keep growing. And a lot of you know the creator life is a grind. And so you need also you know, the friends and the encouragement to keep going. If not, you'll just give up. And it'll be like what you said with the podcast, right? Most people quit after a year. Right. And I think that was so spot on, Leslie. That was fantastic. It is. First of all, don't try to be everywhere at once. Pick the platforms you actually enjoy being on. I have a friend that does social. um, She has a social media company. And she said, two is plenty. Pick two platforms that you want to spend time on. And that's plenty. And from that perspective, I'm also going to, I'm going to add the caveat that everything you should do, you're doing, ultimately, you want to get those people onto an email list. And I'm not saying every conversation you have is about, (laughs) you know, it has to be an exchange for an email. But the point is, you know, that you want to grow a list, not don't worry about the followers, don't worry about vanity metrics, because otherwise, you know, I did that for years. And I was so afraid when you were talking about selling, and I was very like, oh, I felt smarmy selling. And so ended up dumping like 3000 people from a list at one point because I had taught them that I didn't sell and I just created content and here's more free content and here's more free content. And so there is a balance, you know, there's a balance to doing that, but you know, make social fun again by being a human being (laughs) and having conversations. Yeah. People, people forget that, especially on Twitter there, everyone's so concerned with growing their audience and like writing viral threads and it's, it's just not fun. Like, I go on Twitter and just kind of write random stuff. Um, and like, it's fun for me and it's fun for the large handful of people that follow me. And it's not going to be fun for 10,000 people. And I, I like that. That's my right. difference. I, I totally agree. So as we're winding down here, do you want to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, futures of uh, the future of Newsletter Glue? What's coming? What can you share? Um, you know, um, what, what's, what's coming in 2022 for you guys? Um, okay. So I could, if we could do this two ways, that would be awesome. Um, so what I mean by that is I can share some of the things that we're doing, but I'd also 
because you're a customer and you use us all the time, I'd love to hear what you want us to build. Um, you know, because oh. I, I I don't want to build stuff in a vacuum, right? Yeah. Um, so so yeah, so like on my end, the things that I'm really excited about is we're building a whole new admin user interface. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to be based off of what WordPress.com is doing with Jetpack and WooCommerce. And um, I just kind of like the idea of more plugins across the ecosystem having a consistent admin UI. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I hate it when plugins just kind of do their own thing and it looks completely different from everyone else and like looks just stands out from the inside of the WordPress admin. So yeah, and it takes gonna, over your dashboard. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I, I, I don't like that. Um, so I'm trying to, you know, do things more in line with what uh, Jetpack is doing and they're using all React and Gutenberg uh, core components and it just kind of looks really nice and uh, we're spending a lot of time to do all of that and so like our newsletter theme designer is going to be slick and it's going to have like a FSE styles, global styles feel to it. So I'm, I'm really excited about all that. Um, and then I'm just looking through my stuff it's so um, nice that you're approaching it do... really quick Sorry, i was gonna yeah. say it's as, as as someone who's not a developer i think you bring a unique perspective like i i wish more developers would bring a user perspective to sometimes you know where you're saying <laughs> let's make this look cohesive and yeah anyway sorry about that <laughs> <laughs> thanks um i also want to do automated newsletters so this has been a feature that's been requested quite a number of times um, so, you know, if you're already writing a blog post and you, you know that you want to send that out immediately, um, why not just automate that? So you don't have to toggle on the thing anymore. It just kind of gets sent out. Uh, likewise, you know, you could do that if every, at the end of each week, you want to just automatically send the three posts that you've written this week out to subscribers. You don't have to build that anymore. We, I just like to set it up and then, you know, it just starts sending out every week. Oh, nice. So that's another big one that I'm excited about. Um, yeah. And beyond that, just integrations. I have a whole bunch of other things, but I'm not going to talk about them. And um, I'd love to hear what you would like from us. Yeah. You know, the only thing that was such a good question. The only thing I was thinking of is... Um, is a maybe I don't know if this is something that newsletter glue would handle or how to integrate it, but just the referral engine, you know, um, mm-hmm. I have spark loop and I, I, I'm, I took the ref, the referral program out just because I was waiting. I use, you know, I sent you that loom about Brennan Dunn's templates and stuff. And so I've just been slammed, but I do believe that referral engine is a big piece of newsletter growth as well. And so, and what, like, what is the best practice is if, you know, if you're using Sparkloop or could that be something natively done within newsletter glue? And I don't, I have no idea, obviously I'm not a developer, (laughs) um, or maybe that becomes, you know, a subscription model for you guys, just side note. Um, but I, but I do think anything that's going to help support, encourage growth is kind of key. So I love that. I mean, the, the plugin's just beautiful and it looks good. And like with, with our active campaign account, it was so, it was funny because I was like, oh my God, these look so much better coming from the WordPress dashboard Yay. with newsletter glue than the visual builder. And I know a lot of people complain about ConvertKit not having a visual builder at the same time. I'm like, 
yeah, they're clean. All the emails look clean. They don't look circa 1999 like we were talking about. Um, so <laughs> something, and maybe maybe that's you know something to put out to your list, your community, but is I, I don't know growth. I'm just I'm fascinated by, and to your point where you were mentioning earlier about you know um, collaborations with other newsletter um, creators, and I feel like we've sort of lost track of that opportunity in the online marketing space in general once ads came out you know that was how people grew they they did joint venture partnerships and i i want to bring that back it's like guerrilla marketing find people with your audience that you can collaborate with beyond russell's dream 100 right because this dream 100 is like <laughs> go after tony robbins and amy porterfield and all these big names and it's like there are billions of people on the planet. You can find somebody with a 3,000 person list of your ideal audience. You do not need to go after the big names initially to grow a list that you can serve and connect with. Um, so growth, I'm not sure, but that's the only thing I can think of off the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we we don't have plans right now to build a referral a referral system. I feel like that would be almost a whole other business, as, as you said. Yeah. Um, we do have customers currently using Sparkloop with us. So um, that definitely works if you want to keep going uh, in that direction. Uh, with growth, that's that's super interesting. Like, what about, I mean, so so we've had people talk about like um, having better forms, like pop-ups and stuff like that. Um, what do you think about that? Or does that not come under growth for you? It totally does. And I, I think the only reason which I think there's massive opportunity there, I do have ConvertBox. At the same time, mm -hmm. the cost of ConvertBox, even though it's lifetime, is a lot for people to swallow up front. And I think there's a ton of opportunity. Love or hate subscriptions. It's a much easier way for people getting started to manage costs. Um, and so yes, all day long, you know, mm -hmm. I, I like ConvertBox because it's clean. It's super easy to use. And um, I like the conditional logic that I can say, hey, if someone is already tagged, don't display this. So yes, that is absolutely included in growth. I, growth. I think that's the only reason <laughs> I hadn't mentioned it, but <laughs> I think it would be huge. I think it would be really, really huge. And, you know, again, people are just like, great, I'm writing, you know, and it's that if you build it, they will come, which is not the case. The majority of yeah, success online is how well you promote. Um, one one other thing that it's it's not built into the plugin, but I feel like it's part of this conversation. Um, one thing that I'm really excited about for next year is doing better at connecting people with like existing customers together. I think that would be really cool. Like we've talked about cross promotions um, earlier, and you know, just like highlighting or showcased showcasing our different customers, and you know giving them the opportunity to be seen amongst our email list, you know, that could create cross-promotion opportunities, um, creating direct, I'm also planning on creating a bunch of directories, you know, of whether it's freelance writers, developers, and so on, who are familiar with Newsletter Glue so that they can collaborate. You know, if, for example, there is a new, new user looking for development help and it's like, oh, hey, there, here's a developer who's super familiar with Newsletter Glue because they already use it with their newsletter. Um, you can hire them. And so I'm like really excited about creating a lot of like networky, interlinking kind of opportunities uh, for next year. So that's kind of one of our big marketing plans as well. 
We should talk about that offline because you know what's funny is I was thinking <laughs> about that. Well, with my content creators Facebook group, because I'm at this point where I'm like, all right, you need to reboot this group or put some more time and energy into it because the time that it takes to manage that kind of stuff. My point is that I thought there has to be, and I posted a thread <laughs> months ago and I said, and it was let's collaborate. And I asked, would you guys be interested in doing collaborations, collaborations? And so I, I'm fascinated by that whole idea. You know, I've done um, like a, a couple cohort trainings called Email Insiders, and it's just 10 people, and it's a lot of one on one with me. And we talk about email marketing. I'm so obsessed with it. I, it's my only regret that I did not put more time and energy into email marketing when I first started. But, you know, that's how we learn. And so, one of the things, though, was, you know, I think we're missing so many opportunities to support each other. And I was like, okay, what does this look like? Should this be a directory or, or how do I make this so that you're actually, I don't, you, you don't want it to take, take over a lot of time, but there has to be sort of a vetting process and, and guidelines and rules and whatnot. So I don't know. I'm We should talk about that offline, but I've already <laughs> taken an hour of your time, Leslie. This has been so fun. I feel like I can talk to you all day. <laughs> yeah, same. I really enjoy talking to you as well. So thank you so much one day, for being. One day we'll Costa Rica together. We will. We will. Or I'll come over to Singapore. Like, you know, travel. I have, whether or not I stay in Costa Rica long term or not, I have no idea. But, you know, I definitely, you know, my passport needs many more stamps. Um, so where is the best place for people to connect with you? Uh, so I'm on Twitter a lot at Leslie underscore pizza. L-E-S-L-E-Y underscore pizza. Um, so you can find me there um, and obviously you can go to Newsletter Glue that's newslettergloo.com um, to check out our plugin and we're also Newsletter Glue on Twitter as well if you want to check us out there too awesome and I will have all of Leslie's links in the show notes everybody and then I will also link to I'll just probably embed the um, the live stream we did where you, people can get a sneak peek even though some of the stuff in the back end is probably updating and changing they'll get the the whole idea and the process for that so leslie always a joy to chat with you thank you so much thanks so much kim super happy to have you too